Lost World Minute, the Minute by Minute podcast for the 1997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 42 of the Lost World. Dave, how are you going? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Still uh, in love with this T-Rex here. <laughs> <laughs> and the photos continue to flow. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've organised an expedition to go in and, thank you, and document them. Well, I didn't read it. I listened to the Congo audiobook this week, uh, one of Crichton's earlier works, which I mm-hmm. I had no idea how early it actually was. I thought I didn't, wasn't I wasn't sure if it was pre or post Jurassic Park, but I thought it would have been around the same time. But it was about ten years earlier. It was uh, set in '79 and released in 1980. Um, oh, really? Which really threw me for a loop because I know the, the the movie came out after Jurassic Park, but yeah, that was that was sort of a thing of the time. Jurassic Park was successful, so they're looking forever. Crichton yeah, works. There's a Crichton craze going on after Jurassic Park came out. Yeah, because they got that in Sphere yeah. as well. Yeah, I was just about to say Sphere. And then he later worked on uh, Twister and some other stuff, but. Yeah. The fun 90s. <laughs> yeah, there, there was the TV show. I'm not sure if you guys had it, but we, it was called ER. Mm. It was based on a Chicago hospital, and because Michael Crichton was an MD, he um, he was a writer on the show, and yep. Michael just loved the show. Yeah, no, we did get that over here. I I wasn't a fan, and I didn't really watch much of it. Um, uh, like I said I just remember that my parents just used to tune in every week when I was a kid. That West Wing and Jag. Yeah, yeah, well, I was definitely into Jag. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's interesting. It's set up much like Jurassic Park. Um, the novel I've always heard that uh, same with Sphere that the novel's a lot better than what the movie was. Mm-hmm. And the movie sort of uh, wasn't a very good depiction of what uh, happens in the novel. But this might be one that I prefer the movie over. It's I haven't read a lot of uh, a lot of other fiction that's been made into films, but um, Crichton seemed to have got the short end of the stick whenever they made his novels into films. Um, yeah. They always, like, they've seemed to have taken the biggest uh, choices to change a lot of stuff. Some of the simple stuff, like uh, the gorilla in the novel doesn't talk, it does sign, and and the narrator does so, sort of say what it's saying and not what it's signing, but uh, in, the, in the movie, of course, they've got the auto, the auto language thing hooked up to its arms and it can talk... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is okay but um the uh the Tim Curry character is completely added for the film which I could it's one of my favourite Tim Curry performances <laughs> stop eating my sesame cake stop eating my sesame cake <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's a great performance um and it's I've got I've got uh, a lot of Crichton stuff, and it's one theme I sort of see from one to the other. Is he just you'll just suddenly go off on a rant of uh, something about technology or where technology currently is in the time, uh-huh. um, or setting up sort of stuff like that. Like the uh, the evil corporation in the novel is Earth Resources Technology Services Incorporated, where in the uh, in the movie it's Travis. Travis Global or something that um, 
same sort of sort of thing, same sort of greed to get these diamonds out of the Congo that can. Uh, in the in the movie, it's to power a telecommunication the telecommunication satellite, but when um, in the novel, it's sort of more more dragged out and more explained. It's more for uh, like circuitry, um, looking for that next thing after the circuit board sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah, and then of course in the movie they also touched on the fact that these diamonds were so pure that you could create like a laser, a uh, cutting laser from them. Yeah. That was part of that was included in the big climax of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, I did rewatch the movie straight after <laughs> listening to the audio book and just noticed the changes because the laser's nowhere near the novel either. Um something made up for the uh for the movie. Uh, speaking of lasers, did they have the um the laser f- uh, fencing in the novel? Because I know they had that yes. in the movie. Yes, they had um they had laser fed almost identically described as what uh, the script says in the engine camp for the Lost World. Yeah, because um, the engine camp had laser, yeah. had uh, a laser fence system. Well, it was more, it was more of a, it was more of electronic thing. So it had a, um, it was like a lightly woven aluminium mesh that had um, volt voltage going through it. Um, huh? It's a not, it's a movie. I mean, I got mixed up there. It's a movie. It's got the laser fence. Um, ah. similar to what the Lost World should have had or was meant to have but because mm-hmm. um, that's so that's one big part of the uh, the final scene when they're sort of defending the camp um, and those lasers come to effect and you wonder why didn't they just use them <laughs> from the start yeah because yeah. that's uh, kind of a, something that was uh, subtracted from the scene the following minute that were coming up here mm. yeah but the pacing in the movie sort of works a lot better too they're sort of in on mainland America, then they're in the in the jungle. It's all sort of flows pretty quickly. Whereas in the novel, it's like they're in the jungle for five or six days, just not doing a lot. Sort of a new discovery is made every day. It's not sort of a day to do it, um, especially when they're getting attacked by the apes every night. And every night, the apes are sort of figuring out new ways to uh, get past their defenses. Um, mm-hmm. Now, in the movie, I believe it was Stanwinston Studios that did the ape effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, that's another difference, too. In the novel, it's sort of... They are actual apes that are um, just grey, whereas in the uh, in the movie, they're sort of more mutated. Not, yeah. Not really apish, more human. They walk like humans and whatever else, but... But most of the grey ape stuff, the sort of... The mystery of it sort of runs through the novel much as it does in the film. Um mm. It was interesting too. Most all the uh, audio books I've got are all narrated by men, which not trying to be sexist or anything, but um, when you got a cast in a novel, it's mainly men. Um, they can sort of do the voices, and if they got even like Jurassic Park, if they got like the kids' voice, they can sort of do a, a lighter pitch voice for the kids, and for the most part, it works. Um, but for Congo, it's a female narrator, and she sounds very close to that automated voice thing from the movie um, especially when she's doing the Amy <laughs> Amy Gorilla good gorilla it's like oh no <laughs> <laughs> um, and trying to do some gruff uh, tribesman from the jungle doesn't really come off that well either but but hey she's the voice actor I'm not <laughs> but yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad I, I still as I said prefer the film I can see why um, people going from Jurassic Park would have thought it was a 
a good next step and would have been excited for it than being let down big time in the in the movie theater. But, um, yeah, the, the movie's a guilty pleasure for me, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot to talk about uh, pre-game for today's minute, so uh, Dave, you want to get straight into it? Sure. As we ended minute 41 of the Lost World, Malcolm's team looked down over the Hunter's camp. Eddie was impressed by some of the equipment they'd brought with him and said they were well organised. As we start minute 42, Eddie finishes his comments that there's some major league toys. At 41 minutes and 5 seconds, we cut to a shot of a Humvee with a large satellite dish in the back. Malcolm says, their dish is bigger than ours, maybe we can use it to call the boat. Kelly asks if they want to build another park here, after what happened on another island. Malcolm replies to not build anything, they're taking these animals out of here, back to the mainland. At 41 minutes and 21 seconds, we cut to Nick taking some bolt cutters out of a backpack. He says Hammond thought these guys would have turned up, and if they hadn't been finished before they did, He did send a backup plan. Sarah replies, what backup plan? Nick pulls the handles off the bolt cutters and puts them in his vest and says, me. At 41 minutes and 33 seconds, we cut to the main command tent and Ludlow's beginning a speech to the board of directors. At 41 minutes and 47 seconds, as he's talking to the board of directors via video link, he kneels down and pokes a small cage with a compie in it. At 41 minutes and 50 seconds, we get a shot of two TV monitors, one with Ludlow at the Compi, and another one with Finjan Border Directors, back in San Diego. At 41 minutes and 55 seconds, Ludlow tells the board that in a moment he'll take them on a stroll through the camp, and show them some of the more impressive specimens. And this ends minute 42 of The Lost World. So straight off minute 41, we got uh, Eddie, he was talking about the well-organised, and now uh, some Major League toys... I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about here, whether it's the satellite, the uh, the vehicles. I think it's the satellite stuff, because um, Malcolm mentions that the bish, that uh, the bish, the dish is bigger than the one in the trailers, and so um, he kind of jokes that he might have to ask to use them. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting because we get the shot of the the command tent, and you got um, the Hummer Park there with the satellite in the back, and they're shed- setting up some cables and that. Mm-hmm. for the uh, uplink we're about to see. But, um, yeah, you get Malcolm Haiti. Maybe we can ask to use their satellite phone that just is bigger than ours. Um, from memory, that early shooting script, they um, Malcolm was actually going to go down there with Kelly and ask to use their phone to call the boat so he can get out of there. It's just funny that it's joked at here instead of actually being part of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get Kelly, uh, so they actually want to build another parky after what you said happened on the other island. Um, no, there's no no building <laughs> building up near Malcolm. Malcolm sort of says to them that they're not building anything here. They're taking these animals out of here back to the mainland. Um, yep. yep. So we're sort of told what uh, InGen's plan is by Malcolm here and not... Although I think it's pretty, pretty obvious from here they're catching these animals for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, although we haven't again we haven't seen any cages before now this is sort of what I'd imagine the uh, InGen would have done when they went back into Nublar to sort of get Jurassic World happening again they would have gone in and 
tranquilized everything and put it in a separate area so they could start construction. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately we've been robbed of that scene in films. <laughs> Hopefully we get something in yeah. Fallen Kingdom, but... Um, it would be great to see, just get like a, um, like a comic or even a small uh, junior novel or something like that just to get a prequel in there about how they built the park, you know? Yeah. Because I, I would imagine it would be a lot like this. Plus, I can't remember, I think it was on the uh, viral site somewhere that they said they transferred a lot of the animals off of Sorna to start uh, Jurassic World. And that would make more sense because there's not as many, or as far as we know, there's only really the Rex that's um, left over from the original park. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rex and a couple of raptors that we never really see or hear about. Yeah. Don't even know if they survive to adulthood. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to think the license continues did sort of knock out most of the population. Mm-hmm. Life may have found the way, but it wouldn't have been for all of them. Um, yeah. But um, we get Nick here. Um, I figure I should tell you guys. Haven't told me these people might show up. Um, he thought we'd be finished in time before they got started. But in case they weren't, uh, he did send a backup plan. Sarah, what backup plan? And he uh, Nick pulls the handles off a set of bolt cutters and puts him in his vest and says, "Me." Mm-hmm. So um, interesting that Hammond and Nick had had a discussion before um, he'd met Malcolm. And um, mm-hmm. sort of filled them in that uh, InGen was what they were going to be up to, that they were going there to do this, and if uh, they do turn up and you haven't left there already, to uh, foil their plans. Yeah. Um, which again is a sort of bit of a shift from the scripts because the early script, um, Malcolm knows full well that they're going there. Um, yeah. And it's sort of uh, that's how he he goes there to sort of help help um help Hammond then to prove his own well he's running the mission or the the team there because he wants to uh sort of clear his name yeah in this old in the older script it's almost exclusively Ian Malcolm who sets it all up mm. it's a lot like how it is in the novel where Malcolm's kind of the one leading the whole charge instead of uh John Hammond yeah yeah simply put InGen is seeking limited partners to defray some of our expansion costs Prospectus you've been given by the board explicitly details our projected hardware and construction expenses, and as you can see by my two friends here with me tonight, software is already fully developed. One might say they've been up and running. <laughs> and then we get a we cut to the command tent with uh, Ludlow, um, a voiceover by him. But you got a group of hunters assembled in front to uh, watch the monitors. Which I always thought was interesting and oh, curious because, um, especially when this scene starts and the monologues or the speech starts, you get two more hunters sort of come in. One looks over his shoulder to make sure he's not blocking the uh, the camera mm-hmm. that's panning in, and um, they're all coming in to watch these little TV monitors that have been set up. Um, one showing Ludlow and one showing the uh, the boardroom in June headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And again, sort of a little a little thing here with technology, how the uh, the satellite link's not a clear picture. You've got fuzzy, fuzzy snowball and everything else. So, yeah. again, makes me, think, me wonder what the uh, Major League toys are when um, technology's infirmable here. 
<laughs> which is sort of a dig back to Crichton as well. Like he would have definitely had this sort of stuff. We've got all the technology in the world. We still can't have a clear broadcast from one spot to another. Mm-hmm. But, well, also, uh, there's a, um, I'm not sure if it's on a computer monitor or a TV monitor, but there's a feed of Isla Sorna, the same um, Isla Sorna maps that we get in the trailers and on Hammond's computer, This that false uh, color map or whatever, but it's on a monitor in the background. Oh, okay. So we know that... Oh, in, yeah, there's two. It's blue. Yeah, it is. And it's got and two so, other islands next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, go, yeah, just going off the behind stuff, you've also got some... Uh, one thing we'll get to in the next minute is the uh, the model for Jurassic Park San Diego. Mm-hmm. But you've got a lot of the, uh, the concept artwork for it as well. Yeah. Um, it's interesting here. When um, Ludlow goes down to show the uh, the compies, that monitor's off. The, um, with the with the um, map the on trailer it. With, the, with the map yeah at, at 41 and 46 yeah huh. he, he squats down to um, poke the raptor the raptors poke the uh, compi cage the um, monitors off huh. so again maybe not a uh, not a full a full shot scene or not shot in um, continuity there yeah I've got to stop watching this <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because he walks over, he walks over towards the compies and it's on. And then when he yeah squats down and the the camera shot changes, it, um, it's off. But also interesting, Burke's here standing beside the um, the camera operator as well, mm-hmm. which I hadn't noticed before. Um, but getting into what he's talking about here. Um, the speech, simply put, InGen's looking for limited partners to defray some of their expansion costs. Um, mm-hmm. The perspective they've been given by the board details the projected hardware and construction expenses. Um, and as you can see from our two friends here, the software software is already fully developed, one might say, up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of one thing we talked about in an early minute about version numbers and how they see the uh, animals as software. Um with the different version numbers, different uh, egg batches and that sort of thing. Yeah. I find it interesting here also that um, Ludlow considers Jurassic Park San Diego an expansion on the Jurassic Park project and not like a just whole reboot of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's it. And, like, expansion costs for uh, projected hardware and construction expenses, it's sort of... Yeah, it... It, it makes you wonder, well, if they're expanding, uh, why wouldn't they just reopen Jurassic Park? Um, if the lysine, at this point, if the lysine contingency did come in and sort of kill everything, they'd be hurting the animals up and taking them back to Nublar, possibly. Because um, we don't get we don't get Jurassic Park San Diego mentioned until the uh, next the next scene, but it's quite possible this is something new that hasn't been built yet that they want to uh, construct because we don't know that it's been sitting there for so long unused um, mm-hmm. which we'll definitely get into the the quibbles about that in the next minute but um, yeah and it's not it may also makes you wonder if uh, this board has always been here if it's sort of just um, in, like an investors board meeting um, of people who have already signed on the last six months or something to uh, 
fund the expedition there to catch animals, and they're they're looking for some more to uh, to help out get the park open. Um, That's the thing I'm making. Yeah, because I don't know how a large board like this would have survived four mm-hmm. years with not a lot happening. Um, well, it also just... goes back to the first novel where they had like a lot of Japanese business investors. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's what uh, might have been here is there were investors previously already invested in the Jurassic Park project, and they're just asking for more money, like you said. Hmm. We got the two little compies here in the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sort of look at him, that's a still that was uh, one of the first things I seen for this film in the local newspaper when they were advertising it coming out and um, trying to piece together what this scene was in respect to the novel. Um, again, very, very different what we got in the novel. But Now, I'd, I'm not going to look at the video. He's, has he got his cup back in his hand again here? Because when, um, yeah. when he says... Um, he, we end off the minute with him saying to uh, the camera, or well, we see the board of directors on a fuzzy TV screen, but... Um, he says in a minute we'll take you for a stroll through the camp and show you some of the more impressive specimens. And he's got his uh, cup. He's got his cup back and he's back on the whiskey again. <laughs> yeah, I think it might actually be a different cup, probably with coffee or something in it to wake himself up. Yeah, well. Because it would probably be really bad to show up to your board uh, video board meeting uh, drunk. Especially you know? when he's the CEO. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, just this little tent scene, I just love the way it's dressed. Um, just making full use of the concept art. Yeah. Um, having it having it around. Because um, that's the thing, they've sort of, they've paid these artists, or you assume they've paid these artists to do the concepts and everything. Well, don't, uh, don't just let the images get rolled up and put away in storage. Let's get them on set and use them. Yeah. Um, there's also a little torch there. Well, they've got some uh, torch lighting or lanterns on the walls as well. And the engine crates. I'd, I need to buy some wooden crates and just slap the engine logo on them to have the... <laughs> it's it's such an easy prop to do, but it's, yeah, one, it it's one I haven't done yet and I really want to do it. But yeah, again, not a lot for this minute. A bit of a speech and uh, mm-hmm. the crew looking down over the, over the uh, hunter's camp. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Dave, anything else you want to bring up for 42 before we get out of here? Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you want to do this this minute or talk about it next minute, but there's another deleted scene directly after this uh, scene ends. Um, what scene is that? It's where the it's where Sarah and Nick cut, uh, sneak into the camp oh, and cut yep. the uh, fuel lines on the cars. Yeah, yeah well, we, we start this next minute with... Um... Ludlow's saying some of their more impressive specimens, so it will cut from that into them coming in and starting to do their sabotage. Uh, sure. Yeah, and we can talk a bit about that and how little we see, but how much of an impact it has. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that's 42. Dave, thank you, and we'll get out of here. Alright, yeah. Alright, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com email feedback to the lost world minutes at gmail.com facebook the lost world minutes twitter at the lost world minutes and instagram the lost world minutes easy to remember yeah yeah very easy to All remember right. <laughs> uh david thank you for joining me for this recording and uh we'll be back i've been brad i'm dave and uh we'll talk to you all later Goodbye. talk to you later bye
It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.